Hello, hey, hey, hola. Welcome to Earth Sauce, the show to break down new scientific publications into bite-sized chunks for your listening pleasure. My name is Kyle, and I'll be your guide for the next little bit while we delve into this week's paper. If you have a paper that you'd like me to break down, you can email the citation to podsauce at gmail.com. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started on this week's article. When I say ecology, what do you think about? Do you think about how species interact with each other? Do you think about how they interact with their environment? These are all good, but now consider this, temporal ecology. That's right, how time affects species and the way that they live. The paper that we're reviewing this week by Levy et al. published earlier this year in Ecological Monographs discusses this exact topic. How does time play a role in combating climate change? How does switching from nocturnal to diurnal or vice versa help a species or an individual reduce the water costs and the heat costs that help it survive. Let's dig a little deeper and see what they have to say. All right, so the full title of this paper is Time and Ecological Resistance. Can Diurnal Animals Compensate for Climate Change by Shifting to Nocturnal Activity? It is published by Livy and others, uh, published earlier this year, well, originally published in 2018, came out this year in Ecological Monographs. So there's no direct hypotheses of this paper. Um, it's more of a framework or some suggestions that they provide in going forward. Um, but they're proposing that the urnal animals can save on energy costs um, depending on the time of day that they're active. And they suggest that moving from diurnal to nocturnal time of day will decrease energy costs, the thermal costs, and the water costs for doing business. So now moving on like normal into a decent amount of definitions that you will need when digging into this paper. Um, the first of which being dial, spelled D-I-E-L, not like D-I-A-L. This dial is referring to a 24-hour period. Um, which is different than the circadian rhythm, which is a body's natural time clock, not necessarily related to a 24-hour period. It's just the window in which a body and its systems are used to doing certain activity. We have diurnal, which means that someone is active during the day. Most humans are a good example of this. Crepuscular, active during the evening. And nocturnal, which means active at night, which still is the case for most mammals. Relating to body temperature, we have an endotherm, which means an animal can maintain its own internal body temperature. Mammals and birds are good examples of these. And an ectotherm, which means an animal cannot maintain its internal body temperature, um, which would be reptiles and amphibians. We have the temporal shift framework, which authors define themselves as a link between the thermal cost at different times of day, at doing activity during different times of day, and the resource availability, which determine the effects of climate change on the activity time of that species. Now, the thermal cost that they just referred to is just the effects of activity on any organism's body temperature. And when organisms are maintaining, or when organisms are doing activity, excuse me, they're, they want to remain as close as they can in the thermal neutral zone, which is when activity and climate conditions minimize the temperature fluctuation and the water costs on that animal. If they go above or below this thermal neutral zone, they can be either become hypothermic, which means be below the body's normal temperature, or hyperthermic, which means above the body's normal temperature. A very fun, important ecological definition, which we should talk about, is a niche. And 
this is a specific area or time for a certain species um, in a different in, in any ecosystem and there are two main types of niches there's the fundamental niche and the realized niche now the fundamental niche is where a species can theoretically function in space or in time depending on which ecosystem they're in um, however this is limited by movement or by predation and different interspecies interactions um, which is where we bring in the realized niche, which is where the species is actually functioning in their environment. Continuing on with the niche, there is two different types of survival strategies that animals have depending on what kind of niche they have. Um, they, we have generalists, which have a broader niche, which means that they are able to survive in a wider variety of locations and eat a wider variety of food, withstand a wide variety, wider variety of temperature fluctuations as opposed to specialist which needs a specific food type a specific temperature zone to live in um, anything else that's very specific towards that species and their life history um, and as we see the effects of climate change become more and more prevalent on these animals we will see that generalists have an easier time surviving any changes that come and any movements that they have to make because they have a broader niche and one more definition that I believe is important to make the distinction between is a community and an ecosystem. Now, a biological community is a certain area on the earth that includes just the, the living species. So it'd be plants and animals in one certain area, whereas an ecosystem includes the biological community. So the plants, the animals, anything living, as well as the non-living things that are there. So the water... Um, the soil, anything like that that the biological community needs and is interacting with. Moving on into my thoughts before reading the paper, but after reading the abstract and the title. Um, I thought the title was super interesting, which is what pulled me into reading this paper. Um, I found this on Google Scholar. I just searched ecology, and this was one of the most recent results that came up. Um, but I thought that that the idea of temporal ecology is super interesting. I hadn't previously considered any changes in activity time as a possibility to combat the effects of climate change. Um, so I was super interested going into this. But after reading the abstract, um, I realized that we would be operating under a pretty big assumption um, as far as the data and the results go and that assumption is that animals can just voluntarily change their habits um, whenever they want to um, which isn't necessarily a problem because I'll, I'll talk about in, the, in, in a little bit how we do see the shift naturally occurring but here um, it seems like we were moving forward with the assumption that all animals will be able to change the time of day which they're active um, to keep the the cost of doing business low um, so I was just a little bit iffy about that that assumption moving forward um, but I found that it wasn't a huge problem when reading the rest of the paper now moving on into the summary of the paper itself um, like I just mentioned, we're operating under the assumption that animals can voluntarily change the time of day in which they're active. 
This isn't necessarily a bad assumption to be operating under, but it's just something to keep in mind when taking in the data and taking in the results so that you pour over them and come to your own conclusions. Um, so just take in the data with a grain of salt as you should with every piece, every scientific paper that you're reading. So the authors propose that moving from a diurnal lifestyle into a, a crepuscular or nocturnal lifestyle could help limit the effects of climate change. Um, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but they studied three main costs of functioning, which are heat costs, the availability of shade during the day, and the water costs. And I believe that they tested these three variables because the model that they were using was already set up so that these three would be the easiest to test. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I'm going to talk about that later. But continuing on, um, we have already seen that both in the wild and both in lab conditions, there are animals that naturally switch. Um, in the lab conditions, obviously lab mice have shown this change. They show they're, they're normally diurnal animals, but they do show a decent amount of activity uh, at, at nighttime. And under natural circumstances and natural conditions, um, other animals can switch. It seems like there's a bias going from nocturnal to diurnal actually um, depending on what is making them switch but um, natural events such as competition uh, whether it be intra or interspecies specific the time of year as well as the temperature um, can affect when these species are active so some examples are voles uh, the fat-tailed dunart which is my personal favorite australian rodent um, fish and even the african elephant have exhibited um, temporal shifts in activity depending on the habitat that they are in depending on the competition the time of year etc um, so obviously doing more activity at night decreases the thermal costs and the water costs as opposed to functioning in a diurnal lifestyle now this is pretty self-explanatory but operating at night is going to be cooler so the thermal costs are going to automatically be lower as well as the water costs because you won't have to worry about the water balance coming along with sweat or the heat balance that any animals will need to perspire and cool themselves down. On page three, the authors state that strictly diurnal and or nocturnal animals are twice as likely to spatially adapt to climate change. Now this will cause a, a new, new competition and novel interactions um, between species in different areas. But this is operating under the assumption that animals can make it to every available climate, which is a huge assumption because obviously a tiny little vole isn't going to be able to make it over the Himalayas. That's a terrible example, but you get what I mean. So this is going back be this is going back to the difference between a fundamental and a realized niche. Um, a species may be able to move and they may be able to live in this new environment, but they might not necessarily be able to get there. So this could force them to have to adapt temporally. But with this temporal adaptation also comes new challenges. Um, obviously, if you're a diurnal animal, you're not going to be adapted to functioning at the nighttime. So the novel interactions, the new competition between prey and predators, um, the, the competition for the similar niches is going to be a very difficult challenge if you were switching your lifestyle. For this paper, the authors used a program called Niche Mapper, which they have used in the past. 
so they know that their results will be accurate and provide some good data. Um, they go on in the paper if you're interested to explain how they parameter how they parameterize the model um, and how they know their results are accurate in a comparison from previous papers. But for this specific article, they use the golden spiny mouse, which has shown the natural nocturnal to diurnal shift that we were talking about, um, and the North America region and data um, for the test species and location. So they tested um, both historical and future data sets, um, the historical being from 1980 to 2000 and for the future pro data projections from 2080 to 2100. Um, so now for the data points that they used, they tested precipitation and ground soil and moisture as stand-ins for the interaction of the species have with the water and, and shade available to them. As expected, by switching from a diurnal to a nocturnal lifestyle will drastically decrease the water cost and the thermal cost and the overall energy cost of survival. Um, they showed that in the future, there will be less shade for the diurnal animals to operate under which will cause their thermal costs to increase. And this could potentially be fought off if they switch to a nocturnal lifestyle and save some of their energy, save some of the evaporation that they will need to maintain their, their body temperature and decrease some of the thermal costs that are required to operate during the day. Now, they make a good point in that smaller species may adapt more easily or quicker obviously because they have shorter life cycles which gives them a faster turnover time so that future generations can adapt and become more accustomed to this new lifestyle um, larger species may be may be left behind because the changes in the climate that we're seeing are happening too fast for them to adapt to which brings up a question but we leave questions at the end the second good point that they brought up that I would like to discuss is the different effects at the different ecological levels that the temporal switching may potentially have. Um, on an individual, it would just be the decreased energy costs, the decreased water costs, so on and so forth, that the individual will experience by going from diurnal to nocturnal, for example. At the population level, this will be novel intraspecies reactions, so interacting with members of the same species in the same ecosystem. And at the community level, which will be interspecies interactions, so new competition, new predator-prey interactions, anything like that, will obviously be greatly altered if they go from a diurnal to a nocturnal or nocturnal to diurnal. Moving on into the strengths and the weaknesses of this paper. Um, I believe this paper was, was well researched. They have tons of data. I believe they used a good model um, to come to the conclusions that they did. Um, I also really like they did a really good job of pointing out the areas that are needed for future studies. Um, they continue on saying that, that there needs to be more of a, a focus on the temporal shift as a combatant for climate change because up until this point, it seems like most of the research has been on um, the spatial variation and spatial movement that animals will deal with, not anything temporal. Um, some of the weaknesses of the paper 
Normally, I don't critique the English of the paper, but in this in this case, I'm have, gonna have to make an exception. They had really long sentences, which made it a little bit difficult to read, in my opinion. When I read and I write, I like to have short, concise sentences that get to the point quickly. Um, I don't like to drag out my sentences. I don't like to make multiple points in one sentence unless it's absolutely necessary. There are a couple points in the paper where they don't necessarily explain why they used what they did. Um, one simple example is why they use an endotherm model. Um, now, I'm assuming that they just use the endotherm model because the ectotherms are going to be greatly affected no matter what time they operate. Um, they're not able to control their body temps, so the endotherms are going to have an easier time adapting to shifting from a nocturnal to diurnal. Um, and the last point, um, the figures are pretty good, but again, they're also pretty busy. They have long captions, which make them a little bit difficult to read, a little bit difficult to digest. But overall, this was a very well-written paper. And going into just some last questions that I had after reading the paper as we start playing our outro music from bensound.com. Um, what I would like to know is if there's any reason to go from a nocturnal to a diurnal switch. Um, obviously going from diurnal to nocturnal, you're going to decrease energy costs, thermal costs, water costs, etc. But is there any reason to go from a nocturnal lifestyle to a diurnal lifestyle? Would the shift from the diurnal animals to the nocturnal positions leave some empty niches for the diurnal animals to come in and dominate? Um, they, the, 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 the three factors that they chose to test, the heat, shade, and water, um, I'd like to know why these three. Again, I assume that it was easier for them to simulate in their model. Um, but I propose that the availability of food um, and the availability of uh, of mating partners um, would be more interest would be more important for for these animals um, compared to at least shade, uh, maybe even heat input, depending on where they are. And because of the point that they brought up about the smaller species potentially being able to adapt faster or evolve faster, um, it, does this potentially suggest that a smaller body size is more beneficial as we go on towards the future and we see the effects of climate change really take hold? And the, the final question that I have is, do the decreased costs of becoming active at night outweigh the potential increase for the extinction possibility? Like I said, there's new new prey interactions and new predator interactions and if a diurnal species isn't specifically adapted to be active at night then would the possibilities of becoming a great new prey for some nocturnally adapted predator outweigh the costs or the, the savings the, the energy savings that they will have by becoming active at night. Um, so this is just some quite these are just some questions that popped up in my mind while reading the paper. Um, they could be simple questions that I just missed when I was going through it, or they could be areas that need more research into the future. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Earth's House podcast. I hope you had a good time on this paper. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and send them over to 
podsauce at gmail.com. As well as if you have any papers that you would like me to address in the future, send the full citation over to podsauce, that's P-O-D, sauce at gmail.com. I hope to see you guys in the future. Thanks for listening and stay saucy, my friends.